Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Bald Head Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. Featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. In today's story, we're going to find out what an amazing God Yahweh is. In the two stories we're going to hear today, one just seems so trivial, but it shows the heart of God. And the other story, man, it reveals the mighty power of God and how we can trust him completely. I want you to think What an amazing God Yahweh is, and how we can trust him completely. Well, the first story is a pretty simple story. Elisha, he's the head prophet of Israel. Well, if you wanted to become a prophet, you would join the sons of the prophet, and you would follow him around, and you would basically go to college and learn from Elisha. Well, things were going well for Elisha. God, Yahweh, was blessing Israel through Elisha, and people noticed. And people thought, I want to be a part of that. Well, the ranks of the sons of the prophets were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so big that they were running out of room to house all the young men who wanted to study to be a prophet. So one day, somebody came to Elisha and said, hey, let's build more rooms so that we can house all the people who want to come to learn from you. Come on. We want all these people to stay, and so we've got to expand our room. It's just getting too small. So they went down to the Jordan River, and they each got a log, and they started to chop it up to work it towards building extra rooms for all the students who wanted to come to the sons of the prophets to learn from Elisha. Well, one of the sons of the prophets, he's down there chopping wood right there by the river Jordan, chopping away, and he swings back his axe, and as he swings back, bloop! The axe head falls off 
and falls into the river. And when it falls into the Jordan River, the man yells out, I've lost my axe head, and it was a borrowed axe. Oh, that's the worst, right? You borrowed an axe from a friend to chop down a tree, and as you're swinging it, the axe head falls off, falls into the River Jordan, and it is gone forever. And now you owe your friend... You're going to have to buy him a new axe, and it's embarrassing, and it's terrible. Well, Elisha hears of this, and he goes over to the young man, and he says, Where did it fall into the river? And he points right there. Now, this is a heavy iron axe head, and it's going to float all the way to the bottom. And it's just going to stay there. And maybe the man jumped in the river and tried to find it. You know, he dug around. Or maybe the river was too deep. I don't know. But he couldn't find it. And it's pretty much lost in the murky bottom of that river forever. Well, Elisha sees where the axe fell in. And under the inspiration of God, he goes over to a tree and hacks off one of its branches. And he gets a stick. And he takes the stick. And he walks over to where the axe fell in the river and he throws in the stick. Well, the stick hits the water and then it just flows with the river away. Well, when that stick hits the water, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, whoop, the axe head floats to the top of the river. Now, here's my question. Did the axe head stay there and just the river, you know, float around it? And so it says the man jumped in and he grabs it. And he's like, yes, I got my axe head back. Or did the axe head float down with the river? And he had to jump in and swim after it. I don't know. Either way, this is an amazing miracle. Elisha made an iron axe head float. He didn't touch it. He didn't go over and make some big magical incantation. No, he just threw in a stick. But did Elisha make it float? No. It was Yahweh. Yahweh, working through Elisha, saw this need and he said, you know what, we are going to fix this for him. I mean, I think that's neat. I think that's a great story. This is a little thing. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Probably the guy could have bought another axe for his friend and apologized. But God saw the need, and God says in the New Testament that he wants us to bring all our needs to him because he cares for us, casting all our cares upon him. And it says in the book of Philippians to make our requests known to God. He wants to know about this stuff. He cares about the little things. And I think it's neat too that Elisha didn't go over and make some big whirlpool of water that sucked the axe up or, or he made it float up into the sky. No, it was a stick. A simple little stick that he threw into the river. I think God chose a stick because he wanted people to realize it wasn't Elisha in his ability that made that axe head float. No, it was Yahweh. What an awesome God we serve that he can make an iron head of an axe float and 
that he cares about the little stuff of our lives. Well, the sons of the prophets are growing. Well, he also would do something else. Elisha had an ability to know ahead of time where the king of Syria was going to raid into Israel. Now, Syria was a nation north of Israel, and they would often raid into northern Israel, and they would come in and steal cattle and jewelry, and they would steal the people and take them into slavery. Well, these raids would become thorns in the sides of northern Israel and King Jehoram, right? Well, Jehoram was smart. And he listened to the prophet of Israel, who was Elisha. Because Elisha knew beforehand where these raids were going to be. And so he would often tell the king, hey, they're going to raid way up north in about five days. You might want to move everybody away. You might want to fortify the town. So when the king of Syria would come in, who was probably Ben-Hadad II, when he would come in to raid, and he would raid in a town, and everything was gone. Everything was taken care of. The people were properly defended. Everything was hid. And he was like, what? There's nothing here. How, how does he know where we're going to raid? He might have raided lower down. Ben-Hadad II and the Syrians would raid in and they'd come into a town. And the same thing. Everything is hidden. Everything's taken away. How do they know where we're raiding? And he's asking his men. And maybe one day he brings them into the court. And he looks at all of them. And he says, one of you is a spy. Because there is no way that the king of Israel should know where we're raiding. There's no way he should know the exact spot unless one of you is spying. And maybe he's got an axe in his hand ready to chop off some heads. When somebody raises a hand and says, listen, listen, king, it's not us. It's, it's, it's that prophet they have, and it's as if the prophet is in the room with us listening. He has an ability to basically hear our plans, and then he tells the king of Israel, and then we can't do anything. Wow, Elisha's fame is spread that far. Well, and they're like, who is this prophet? And they said, it's Elisha. And where does he live, says the king? Well, they do some searching and they find that he lives in this town called Dothan. Well, the king of Syria says enough is enough. And at night, he takes his army and he surrounds the city of Dothan. And he is ready to attack. Well, the next morning, the servant of Elisha gets up. And, you know, he likes to get breakfast for Elisha, and he likes to get everything ready for him. And, and maybe he likes to get the morning newspaper for Elisha. So he walks to the end of the driveway, and he gets the newspaper, and he's got his coffee in one hand, you know, and he looks at the headline, and, oh, that's a scary headline. And then he looks up, and what he sees makes him drop his mug it breaks on the driveway what he sees makes his knees knock together he sees that the king of syria has completely surrounded 
the city of Dothan. And they're all there to get one man, and that's his master, Elisha. So the servant runs up to the stairs and he comes into Elisha's room and he says, Master, Master, what are we to do? What are we to do? And he tells them, look out the window. And he looks out and Elisha looks out the window and he sees chariot after chariot after chariot, soldier after soldier after soldier. And and the servant says, I'm scared to death. What are we going to do? They've all come for you. They've all come for me as well. They're going to kill us. What are we going to do? And then Elisha grabs the servant. And he leans in. And I can imagine he smiles. And he says, don't be afraid. For those who are with us, Far outnumber those who are with them. Maybe Elisha walks away and heads down the stairs and the servant looks at him and then he looks out the window and he sees hundreds and hundreds of chariots and soldiers and then he looks at Elisha and he looks at himself and he says, well, there's two of us and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of soldiers. How in the world, he says, those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. There is no way. And Elisha's walking down the stairs. He prays this prayer to the Lord. I know he prayed this prayer to the Lord because it says there in 2 Kings chapter 6 that Elisha prayed this prayer. He says, Lord, please. Open his eyes and let him see. And at that moment, the servant turns to look out the window again to take one last glimpse of this massive army that's about to come down upon him and his master. And when he looks out the window, (gasps) he is absolutely petrified. He goes beyond the scared that he saw when he saw the Syrian army. He is just awestruck because he sees that the mountains that surround the city of Dothan and that are behind the Syrian army who surround the city of Dothan as well, behind them, right, are these mountains And on the mountains are horses and chariots of fire. And he sees on that mountain, one, two, three, four, five, fifty, a hundred, five hundred. He sees number after number after number of fiery horse and fiery chariot and he looks over there and he sees fiery horse and fiery chariot and he looks over there and he sees hundreds upon hundreds of soldiers fiery soldiers on fiery chariots you know riding fiery horses and he sees that these are an angelic army who the syrians can't see and who the servant couldn't see But Elisha could see, and he was right. They far outnumbered the Syrians, 
by incredible amounts. And you know what I think is interesting is the Syrians showed up in chariots. And those were the cutting edge vehicle of the day. I mean, if you had chariots, you were something. And if you had a lot of chariots, you were really something. Well, these angelic beings, these supernatural forces, the supernatural army, they had the best equipment available. They had those chariots and chariot after chariot after chariot. You think you're something, Syrians? No. We got chariot after chariot after chariot. And God was able to pull back the natural realm we live in so that that servant could see the supernatural world behind it. And it must have been awe-inspiring. And I keep thinking, we serve that same God. And probably when we get scared at work or school, when we have to stand up for what we believe in and, and we're really nervous to do it, we should stop and realize that they don't outnumber us. If we could tear away the natural realm that we live in and see the supernatural behind us in that very moment, we would probably understand that we far outnumber them and we can be confident in the God we serve who promises never to leave us or forsake us and who also happens to bring a whole huge army with him. Well, Elisha's going down the stairs and he comes out and before he starts to walk towards the Syrian army, he calls out to Yahweh and he says, Please strike this nation blind. And he walks over to him and he comes up to him. And now I don't think it was a complete blindness where they couldn't see anything because they were able to move their chariots. They were able to walk. But I think it was a type of blindness where they only could see Elisha. Because Elisha comes up to him. And they don't attack him because they can't see. All they can see is Elisha. And they're not even certain maybe who he is. I don't know, but all they can see is Elisha. And he comes up to the head honcho and he says, This is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you're looking for. So they had no clue he was Elisha, though they could see Elisha. And this was the man they were going for, but they had no clue this was the man they were supposed to get. But this is all they could see. And why did they just blindly follow him? Now, Dothan was about 12 miles north of Samaria. So Elisha then starts to head 12 miles south back to Samaria, the capital of northern Israel. And this Syrian army, they just follow Elisha. Like little lost puppies. They just follow him all the way back to the city of Samaria. And they follow him all the way into the middle of the city to the point where they're in front of the king. And as Elisha brings them into the middle of the city, Elisha prays, Lord, Yahweh, open these eyes and let the men see. So they open their eyes. They stop being fixated just on Elisha in some weird form of semi-blindness. And then all of a sudden they can see it all again. And their eyes looked up and they realized we were in Dothan. And now 
We're in the middle of Samaria, and maybe, and maybe they drew their sword, and they realized they are surrounded by the king of Israel and his army. And the king of Israel, he runs up to Elisha, and he asks him, should I kill them? Should I kill them, my father? He is so impressed. He calls Elisha his father. He says, my master, you are the man. You are in charge. Elisha, what you just did was absolutely amazing. And, and should I kill them? I'm, I'm not certain. And Elisha says, don't kill them. No, they're your prisoners. W would you kill your prisoners with a sword or a bow? No, no, no. Instead, I want you to set food and water in front of them. Then let them eat. And let them go to their master. Well, the king, he doesn't just set food and water. It says he makes a feast. The king of Israel is so excited that he's captured the whole Syrian army, basically, that he brings in the fatted calf and he brings in the fatted goat and he starts to bring in the best food, the best dessert. And he, they eat like kings and they eat like kings and the Sumerian army eats like kings and they start to share in this feast. Well, in the ancient Near East, if you prepared a big feast for your enemy, and if your enemy then ate your big feast and willingly participated in the party that you arranged for him, if you participated in the party and your enemy participated in the party, that was a covenant of peace between you and your enemy. And that's what the king did. He said, all right, if I'm going to send them back to their king, I want this army to be at peace with me. So we're going to have a party. And man, both of them partied up. And at the end of it, they departed in peace. And the Bible says the Syrian raiders did not come into the land again. Wow. What a God we serve. What a God we serve who at the end of the miracle, they're having a party. What a God we serve who, from the natural side of things, it may look we're outnumbered, but what we have are supernatural force beyond supernatural force on our side, and God brings them all to bear for his children because he cares for them. And the writer of 2 Kings, what he wants his readers to understand is this. Look at this God, Yahweh, and look who you serve. How awesome he is. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.